How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Welcome to Pack Friday. Pack Friday here with David Locke. Thank you very much for tuning into it. PAC is an offensive statistical measure that I use to evaluate all offensive players. And what it does is it compares an offensive player to an average offensive player in the league. Most of our systems compare players to replacement level. But in my analysis, to be a championship level team, what you need is to have all of your players performing above average. The concept there is that when Steph Curry or LeBron James or Kevin Durant move the basketball to another player, if that player is also above average, they become almost impossible to beat. And the way we calculate pack is we figure out what the average player in the NBA does with a scoring opportunity, either a shot attempt or a free throw attempt, and then compare what every other player does in the individual possession, multiply it then by their scoring opportunities used. This does not account for turnovers. It does not account for rebounds. It does not have any defensive value to it at all. This is solely an offensive measure of an individual player's performance, and it's based off of the average player in the league. It's turned out to be pretty revealing and pretty interesting. If we go back a few years, if I may, to give you a little history on it, we back to the 12-13 season, uh, the best in the league was Kevin Durant at a 4.9 pack. So what does that mean? That means that in the 22 scoring opportunities he used on a given night, he was scoring 4.9 points more than the average player in the league. Over the years of pack, the best players in the league have been right below five or in the fours. For example, last year the best in the league was Kevin Durant, limited games at 4.0. Steph Curry was at 3.9. Kevin Durant the year prior was at 4.7. LeBron James was at 4.5. The year prior, as I said, 4.9 for Durant, 4.4 for LeBron. So that's the Usually the next player slides all the way down to under three in the twos, and there's usually seven players, it seems, in a given year that are somewhere between 7 and 10, that are 2 or above. So to be 4 or 5, you're really an incredibly dominant player when there's only 7 other players that are above 2. And think about it from the standpoint that if Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or somebody's up in that force, the other team has to make up for it. And there just aren't that many players who have pack numbers that are that positive. Right now in the NBA, there are uh, 34 players whose pack number is above one. That's all. And so when you have a player, uh, the ilk of that we're talking about here, of that, you know, one of the best in the game who's putting up mammoth numbers of four and five like that, well, then all of a sudden trying to match that is all, catch that as the opponent is. Almost impossible. Remember, this is the average uh, number player. 
So let's look at this year's pack. I think I've, I've made some sense of it. I'll dig into it uh, a bit more here. It can be both positive or negative. The best pack players in the NBA this year is Steph Curry at an incredible, unequaled 5.9 points per night above what the average player in the NBA would use. Never seen anything like it. The single most dominant offensive season that I've ever charted in the NBA. Uh, I've got to go back further and continue to do more and more years worth, but there's no one has been close. It's, you know, he uses 44% of his possessions to shoot a three. And Steph's actually, it's the first time all year Steph has been below six. He is at 5.9 points above average. Kevin Durant is second at 4.1. Kawhi Leonard is the third most impactful offensive player at 2.7. James Harden is 2.5. And J.J. Redick is 2.4. Clay Thompson at 2.2. And the best Eastern Conference offensive player is Kyle Lowry at 2.0. Seven players at two or above. Let's digest Steph specifically for a moment here in the midst of this. At 5.9, Steph Curry is nearly 50% better, than more impactful in a game, than Kevin Durant, the second best player in the game, offensively. If we go to, other than the seven players I've mentioned, Steph Curry's impact on the game is, at a, let's call Steph, he's at 5.9, but if he's basically a 6, He's three times more impactful than Kyle Lowry, the seventh most impactful offensive player in the league. And then if you think about trying to beat the Warriors, which clearly nobody can do, if Steph Curry's at 5.9 and your best player is even J.J. Redick at 2.4, you have to find a way to make up 3.5 other points of the night against the Warriors, above what the other Warrior players are doing. Right? Just think about, okay, there's about, per game, there's probably about 75 scoring opportunities a game if you take out turnovers. Now, in the, tw- in the top usage by Curry and whoever your best players, they're up by five. You've now got 50 possessions to make up those, or f- 50 scoring opportunities to make those five above average. It doesn't exist. It's just not there. And when you add that Clay Thompson is the sixth best offensive player, it's where the Warriors become just simply remarkably unbeatable the top 10 offensive players in the league are curry durant leonard harden and reddick are the top five thompson and lowry are the only guys over hassan whiteside at 1.9 deandre jordan at 1.8 and stunningly carl anthony towns the rookie comes in as the 10th most impactful offensive player players you might be interested in knowing about lebron james is the 13th most impactful Chris Paul is 16. Damian Lillard is 17. Most impactful. Damian, but let's compare for a second the impact of a great offensive player like Damian Lillard to Steph Curry. Let's take a quick break and talk about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is always the first place to go when you look for tickets for a game or a concert. SeatGeek is an app on your phone, and it's the easiest thing to use. Download the app, completely user-friendly, and here's the best part about SeatGeek. It pulls all of the tickets available from other sites into one place. You save time, you never miss a deal. 
So, for example, if you want to go to an NBA playoff game, you want to go to an NCAA tournament game that's coming up, or any of the big regular season NBA games, you check out the game, you search for it, and then it will show you which seats are the best. Each seat is given a great big green circle, says great value. Small little red dot, bad value, don't buy that. And all of the ticket pricing is honest and upfront, unlike StubHub. SeatGeek shows you the full price from start to finish, never surprising you with huge fees at checkout. It's that easy. Download the app, then go to the settings tab, add the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get $20 after you make your first ticket purchase. That is $20 for the promo code LOCKED. SeatGeek, download it now and find out the experience. Relay to me how great your experience has been. Lillard is at one point one pack so in a give in a night damian lillard uses 22.7 scoring opportunities in a game and he scores his points and that is 1.1 more points than the average player in the nba would with those same scoring opportunities it's a considerable amount it's as i just said it's one of the best it's one of the best there is uh in the league and He's 1.1 points above the average player in the league. Chris Paul does this, has the same impact in five less scoring opportunities. So 1.2, uh, a little bit more efficient than Damian. But the two of them, as great as Chris Paul and Damian Lillard are, 1.2 and 1.1, pale compared to Steph Curry's 5.9. Steph is five times more impactful on a game than even the great Chris Paul and the great Damian Lillard, two players who should both be All-Stars. Chew on that. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Let's go to the worst offensive players in the league. Emmanuel Moutier has had the worst single offensive season this year, minus 3.3. Kobe Bryant, minus 2.7. Ish Smith, minus 2.3 in Philly. New Orleans minus 1.7, Norris Cole. Derek Rose minus 1.7. Marcus Smart minus 1.7. Josh Smith minus 1.7. Markeith Morris between Phoenix and Washington minus 1.5. Alfred Payton in Orlando minus 1.5. That's probably a little disturbing. And the Julius Randle minus 1.4. Those are the 10 uh, least effective offensive players in the NBA. Other names that might be of interest, Jared Sullinger is 11, minus 1.4. Andre Drummond at minus 1.3. Some rookies float in there. John Wall has not had a good season at minus 1.1. Dwayne Wade is bottom 20 at minus 1. So this is really, to me, the best way to look at and evaluate offensive talent in the game and also to evaluate championship teams. In other words, these are the teams that have to have their players being all, to be a championship team, you want to have all of your players be above average. So if we look at last year's Golden State Warrior championship team and look at their pack ratings last year, you had Steph at 3.9 and Clay at 2.1 and then Harrison Barnes is 0.7. Azili, Bogut, Barbosa, Igudala, Spates, Draymond Green, David Lee, Sean Livingston, all hovering right about .3 to zero. And the only negative players on the team last year were Justin Holiday and Brandon Rush, who did not play during the playoffs. 
And what that does is that even when you have the dominant player of Steph Curry, and Steph last year was a 3.9, and this year, as we've talked about, he's even better at 5.9, is you move the ball around out of their hands, you still get the average possession usage. It really separates and makes makes you almost unguardable and unbeatable. San Antonio, the year they won the title, their best player in 13-14 was Kawhi Leonard at 1.3, but then Bellinelli, Ginobili, Mills, Green, Dia, Parker, Splitter, Ayers, Bonner, Corey Joseph, all above average. The only player slightly below average at a minus .2 was Tim Duncan. If we go back to the Miami uh, championship team, uh, of LeBron and Wade and Bosch in the 12-13 season, you have a dominant performance from LeBron at plus 4.4. Bosch follows at 1.6. Wade at 1.4. And here you have really a good example of the dominance of that group. Because if you go look at the scoring, those players in nearly 60 scoring opportunities combined to be plus 7.5, almost impossible to catch. Then you add the 14 scoring opportunities of of Ray Allen, and now you're plus combined as a group. You're over plus 9. It's over. Battier was positive. Anderson positive. Chalmers positive. Miller positive. The only negatives were Richard Lewis, who didn't play a great deal. James Jones, who played very little. And Norris Cole, who actually did play 20 minutes a night, was their single negative. So when you look at championship-caliber teams, one of the signatures to them is that almost all of their players, usually only one exception, is a positive pack player. And the concept there is that even if the other team's defense does their job correctly and moves the ball out of the hands of your best player, they're able to do it. So let's look at the Warriors. Steph is an incredible 5.9, as we've talked about. Clay Thompson, 2.2. Draymond, 0.8. Bogut, 0.7. Iguodala, 0.4. Livingston, 0.3. Azili, 0.3. Brandon Rush, 0.2. Harrison Barnes is 0.1, just average. Remember that in free agency. Barbosa, 0.1. Clark, 0.1. The only negatives are Anderson Villarreal at minus 0.3 and Maurice Spates at minus 0.6. That is a team primed and ready to go win uh, another championship. And, and makes it all makes you know it's not surprising that this is a team that is looking like they could win 73 games. And for those of you who have been around me and followed me for the last two years, you've know that's actually something I've said. The Spurs though get very interesting. The only player who regularly plays for the Spurs that is negative. Kawhi Leonard's the best at 2.7. Boban's 0.9. This system loves bigs who dunk. It's a high percentage shot. Aldridge is .5, Simmons, Diaw, West, Ginobili, Parker, Mills are all .5 between zero. Duncan's right at zero. Kyle Anderson, who will probably play sparingly in the playoffs, is minus .2. Danny Green has had a tough year. He's at minus .7, his performance. But again, now the Spurs don't have the big number to go catch Curry and Thompson. But again, nothing negative. The negative offensive player is death. They just bring you down so terribly in uh, and make it so incredibly difficult to make up for. Oklahoma City is the opposite. Durant at 4.1. Cantor is the 11th best, most impactful offensive player at 1.6. Adams, 1.0. Westbrook, 0.5. That's it. Now, and Roberson and Morrow are even. Payne's slightly negative. Abaka's negative this year, point, negative 0.2. Not big, about even. But Kyle Singler, minus 0.5. Deion Waiters, minus 0.9. And Randy Foy, 
minus one. Even in limited action, Waiters and Foy only using 12, 13 scoring opportunities a game. Both end up at negative 1.9. It wipes out the positive Ennis Cantor. It wipes out part of the positive of Steven Adams. And it brings, it makes it difficult. Durant's brilliance is why that is the number two uh, offensive team in the NBA. Staying with supposed title contenders, we look at the Clippers. Redick is their best at 2.4. DeAndre Jordan at 1.8. Chris Paul at 1.2. And then they get into the negatives. Mba Mute, minus 0.4. Austin Rivers, minus 0.5. Wesley Johnson, minus 0.5. Jeff Green, minus 0.6. Jamal Crawford, minus 0.7. And Paul Pierce, minus 0.8. I have a filter on this, so Blake Griffin, um, I have a game-played filter right now that uh, I'll have to clear out of here um, because it meant that Mr. Uh, Blake Griffin was not showing up in the um, in the reading for you because he has not played enough games. Blake Griffin is a plus point four. All right, over in the Eastern Conference, and then we'll do top ten and answer your questions uh, as well. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Lockdown Sports, and then usually on Fridays uh, I do this, and you can send in uh, your questions. Cleveland, LeBron's one point six, Tristan Thompson point nine, Channing Fry point six, Moscow point six, Richard Jefferson point five. Kyrie, point two, Jerome, James Jones, point two, Kevin Love, one. Their only negatives are J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert and Mo Williams if he starts playing again, but not dramatically. J.R. Smith is a minus point two. Mo Williams is a minus point three. Shumpert hurts you at minus point eight. Uh, LeBron's not dominant like he once was, but the balance of that team means it's going to be hard to defend them uh, when it comes playoff time with the ability of them uh, to use their possessions uh, nicely, I think Atlanta is going to be able to cause some problems in the playoffs uh, because of their defense. And also, their only negative player that's a regular rotation player for them right now is Dennis Schroeder. Again, nobody's dominant. Horford's their best at .9. And Corver's way off the numbers he had last year at .7, though he's playing better. Corver last year, Kyle Corver last year was one of the top offensive players and top five offensive players uh, in the NBA. He he was as he was the third most in, or fourth most impactful offensive player, Durant, Curry, Harden, Corver last night last year, and then Tyson Chandler and Anthony Davis, followed by J.J. Redick and Clay Thompson last year. And uh, last year, uh, Corver was a two point nine. This year he's just a point seven, so he's way off. If he were to click back in, they become a force. So I would keep an eye on Atlanta. I think that combination is going to make them very difficult to defend. A lot of people think Boston can make a run in the playoffs. They, on the other hand, have a bunch of players that are negative. Marcus Smart and Jared Sullinger, two of the largest negatives in the NBA. Uh, and when they start playing better teams, I think that will be, be an issue. Evan Turner is a minus .6 uh, so far this year. Zeller's a minus .1. Jarebko minus .1 of the rotation players, and they don't have the dominant offense player, Isaiah Thomas is .9, Jay Crowder .8, Amir Johnson so underrated at .7. And finally, Toronto, uh, I guess Miami probably deserves some sort of a mention in here, uh, so I will do them as well. Toronto, uh, Lowry 2.0, Valanchunas 1.6, much uh, very underrated, but Patrick Patterson slightly negative, Luis Scola negative, Corey Joseph negative .5, uh, Damari Carroll huge negative at 1.3 when he was playing this year. So I think that's going to be a real playoff problem 
for Toronto and why Dwayne Casey's team uh, might be playoff vulnerable again. And Miami uh, has some similar. Joe Johnson, as good as he's been in Miami, but this is for the season, is minus .1. Dragic is a minus, below average offensive player at minus .2. Justice Winslow, minus .5. Nick Roberts, minus .6. And Dwayne Wade at minus 1. Really probably too much uh, for them to overcome despite the happy names and all the rest. All right, let's look at uh, recent trends and take the top 10 players in the NBA. The hottest, most impactful player in the last 10 games in the NBA is Clay Thompson at 4.1. Steph Curry is 3.9. Kevin Durant, 3.6. Dirk Nowitzki, how awesome is that? 3.4. And Carl Anthony Towns not fading at all as the season goes on. Last 10 games is shooting 61%, 33% from three, 23 points, 10 rebounds, and his efficiency through the roof as he is the number five pack player in the NBA. Josh Richardson, Miami's on fire at six. Ennis Cantor is seven. Brooke Lopez, eight. Zach Levine in Minnesota is nine. And LeBron James is 10. So LeBron has, in fact, uh, amped it up. Some fun names. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovich out of Brooklyn and Sean Kilpatrick are both playing very well. For Brooklyn right now, Isaiah Thomas is hot. Victor Oladipo having a nice surge at the end of the year. The coldest players in the NBA right now, the ones struggling to get to the finish line, the bottom 10 coldest players, Marcus Smart at minus 3.8. Corey Joseph is tied with him. Matt Barnes, Alex Len minus 3.4. Ish Smith again. Jamichael Green in Memphis. Jeremy Grant in Philly. Emmanuel Moutier still holds in this. Jimmy Butler. Wonder what's wrong with Chicago, and maybe his knee injury, he's not back all the way. Jimmy Butler in the last 10 games, 10% from three, and really struggling. Jordan Clarkson, minus 2.3, always nervous about players, put up big numbers. This is what this, this stat can see through uh, on, on bad teams. Brandon Knight, D'Angelo Russell also uh, in this final group of players. So those are the bottom 10, top 10 offensive players as of late. Uh, let me go check my Twitter account at, at LockedOnSports and see if anybody had any specific questions uh, that they wanted for Pat. Damian Lillard from Spencer Bowen, as we mentioned, he's a 1.1 on the season. So what does that mean? This is all new to you. Uh, so let's go back. So if we just look uh, at point guards, for example, to try to get an understanding of, of what that means. Steph's the best at 5.9, Lowry at 2.0. Chris Paul at 1.2, Lillard at 1.1. So fourth best point guard. Darren Collison is the fifth best at 1.0, second year in a row. He's such an efficient player. Isaiah Thomas at .9 comes in sixth. Milwaukee's Jared Bayless, if you believe he's a point guard. Eric Bledsoe went healthy. Russell Westbrook, Jose Calderon, Kemba Walker, Mario Chalmers, DJ Augustine, Sean Livingston, Gary Neal, and Tony Parker. So 1.1 for Lil. He Lillard. He uh, ends up top four point guard in the NBA, uh, but, can you know, Steph's just on a completely different plan. 1.1's uh, really good. Is it possible to do pre- and post-trade deadline pack? It probably is, but I don't have that. Um, and I would say um, I think there's a level where I, I think you'd find out you'd be surprised. I think teammates have little impact. Um on some of this, surprising how little it is. Uh, 
Let's see. Um, they want uh, the Cavaliers from Mitch. Thank you very much. I think we've done that. Uh, great question. How big a deal is it that Chandler Parsons is out? This is a great way to look at trades or deals of that sort that will tell you the impact of players being out. So Chandler Parsons this year, uh, through all of his injuries, is the number one pack player on Dallas at 1.1. So that's big. Now, who replaces his minutes? Probably extended play for Devin Harris, who's a point two. Extended play for J.J. Barea, who's a negative point three. Extended play for Justin Anderson, the rookie out of Virginia, who's a negative point three. And extended play for Raymond Felton, who's a negative point seven. Huge impact. Now, they're surviving right now because if we go to our last ten games, Dirk Nowitzki is single-handedly carrying Dallas. What Dirk's doing should be headline stories in the NBA right now. Dirk is 3.4 recently. David Lee's been great for them as well. But then when you start to look at the other guys along the way, you end up with Raymond Felton at negative 1.9 so far. Wesley Matthews really struggling at negative 1.6. Darren at negative 1.1. And the burden is going to fall bigger on them than before. So Dirk has just carried the Mavericks, and he will have to continue uh, to do that. Uh, next question's coming in. What is the impact of rookies on PAC? This is a great question. It's not an easy filter for me, uh, but let me get to it. Carl Anthony Towns, I mentioned, is at 1.7. Uh, far and away the best in the class. If anyone starts talking Przingis or anyone else in the rookie class, you're going to have to stop him. Boban is point nine. He's the second best rookie. San Antonio's big man who plays uh, sparingly but has an impact. Nikolai Jokovic in Denver, point eight. Incredibly good pickup uh, for Denver. This system and the league should. The system, but also the league undervalues big guys that can dunk. By the way. Uh, There's a real value to the eight or nine possessions by a big guy that shoots at 65%, and the league has kind of forgotten about them um, a little bit. Uh, Solid Dallas is a .6. Montrell Harrell at Houston's a .6. High shooting percentage, and also usually rookies are incredibly inefficient. They use a lot of possessions, and they struggle um, to Josh Richardson is .5, number one. Uh, non-big rookie out of Miami has been playing inside their system and been just terrific so far for them. Uh, Doug McDermott, by the way, is positive. That's a big news after last year how um, poor he was uh, along the way. Searching for other rookies uh, for you. Uh, So funny. There's somebody whose name is – there's a mistake, and it's Eric Gordon switched to false, which I think maybe the New Orleans fans would agree with me on. Uh, that his much of his career has been that. Uh, interesting guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Holmes in Philadelphia is a positive. He might actually they might actually have found something um, a little bit there as a player. And we're going to get into just about every other rookie after this is going to be negative, uh, which just tells you how hard it is for rookies to impact the game. Larry Nance Jr. is a point one. Devin Booker is a point one, which is pretty impressive considering the burden uh, that he's trying to carry in the league. I would say that's a very positive sign for Phoenix, and in his first year, he's able to stay uh, as a positive pack despite that. Howell Neto, rookie for the Utah Jazz, is at zero. 
which is probably a pretty good sign for him. He's really shot the ball uh, terrifically. Miles Turner, Indiana, who is going to is quite a scorer, is uh, zero. And uh, again, they'll own rookies will only get better. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who's back in the lineup, is a negative point one, uh, despite not being a great offensive player. He's kind of finding a way to get it done. Hazunga in Orlando is only a minus point one, and uh, rather than big, I mentioned earlier, Cameron Payne's a minus point one. Mentioned earlier as well, D'Angelo Russell recently has moved pretty far down. Uh, T.J. McConnell is a minus point two. So we really suddenly you get into the minuses, not big minuses, but just a little bit slightly below average. It's where rookies, you know, most often uh, find the rookie players uh, along the way. Kelly Oubre is a minus point three uh, so far in his rookie season, trying to kind of figure it out uh, in Atlanta. Justin Anderson is a minus point three in Dallas, the rookie out of Virginia. The Trey Lyles in Utah is a minus point four. Uh, and this is a great rookie class. This rookie class is really going to be terrific. DeLon Wright in Toronto is a minus point four in his limited action so far. Um, so you, you can see that rookies are going to scuffle and have a hard time. There's nothing There's nothing like Frank Kaminsky's a minus point five. That one would be a little more disturbing to me because of his age. Justice Winslow's a minus point five. Rookie, it's hard to win with rookies. D'Angelo Russell is a minus point six uh, on the season. So I think we've covered most of the primary rookies. I haven't gotten to Przingis yet. Oh, there he is. Christos Przingis minus point uh, six as well. That's a great question. Thank you very much uh, from uh, Coulter MTN. Rodney Hood, I'm being asked about for the Jazz second year guard, is a zero. Um, the um, and I think that's it for questions. Anybody else? Nope, that's it. That is our Pack Friday. Thanks for being a part of it. Hope you enjoyed it. For those of you on Locked on NBA, this is the first time you've heard it. For those of you on Locked on Jazz, it is a long time uh, that you've heard all of it. So uh, for those of you on Locked on NBA, they're hearing it for the first time. Feel free to send me your thoughts at, at Locked On Sports and any questions. I'll get back to you on that. Be very curious to hear what you have to say.